I'm actually going to share a testimony today too, but uh, it's going to be a little bit later and a little bit longer. But um, how are you guys doing today? You guys alive? Everyone's alive? Yeah, it's, it's good to be alive. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to be dead, <laughs> like Heather just said, but <laughs> no, there's a time for everything. And uh, when God's in control, then everything is good. I forgot my Bible today. I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. I just have, just have my iPad. I'm actually embarrassed right now. I'd like to bring a, a real Bible, so I'm repenting before you guys. I'm sorry. I'll try not to do this again. But um, if we can open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. And if that sounds familiar to anybody, it's because we read it today in our Bible plans. And I think Dima read from it in the beginning. It was either chapter 6 or chapter 5. It's hard to hear with a plexiglass blocking you. But uh, Hebrews chapter 6, and then we're going to read from verses 1 through verse 12. And we're going to talk about it. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful to those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So in the beginning, Paul is saying, right now we're not going to talk about the, the foundational things of Christianity. He's saying we're not going to you know, talk about repentance from, from your sins. We're not going to talk about uh, baptism and, and resurrection of the dead. We're not going to talk about eternal judgment. He says, he says, because you guys should all know this by now. And he said this in the chapter before. He says, you guys have drank in the milk and you, know, you should be eating meat now. You guys should know all this stuff. This is just the basic principles of Christianity. This is the basic principles of our faith that, 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 that drive us every day and that give us life. And, and then he says, it's, it's like he jumps to a whole other thought. And then he says, it's impossible to those who were once enlightened and, and, and tasted the heavenly gift, you know, those who, who fell away from God to come back to God. He says it's, it's impossible for those people. And it's, it's a very sharp turn off, off of the road that he was going on. It's like he, he veered off and, and jumped on another road. And, and the first question that comes up is like, wait, if, if uh, 
if a person falls away from God, can he really not come back? Is it, how do you explain Andre? I don't know. Uh, every time I look at Andre, it's like a, a, a living miracle, in all honesty, of, of what God can do in somebody's life. It's when, when, when somebody, you know, is, is with God, is serving, and then turns away from God, rejects him, you know, follows this world, chases his dreams and everything, and then somehow God is still able to bring him to repentance. It's, it's a miracle. It's amazing. But, and, and here Paul is saying it's impossible for that to happen. And I don't know how to explain this. I, I don't know for which people it's possible and for which people fall under this category of it's impossible. But all I know is I never want to be in the situation. Because this is a scary place. And as we see, most people don't come back. Most people end up living their lives and for the most part, always have a tragic death. You know, and they die a lot sooner than they were expecting. You know, everybody always says, I'll repent before I die. When I get older, I'll repent, I'll repent. For some reason, every single one of them doesn't get that opportunity, for the most part. And I don't want to be, I don't want to take that risk with my life. I was talking to, uh, to my coworker today, and they're, um, they are 32 weeks pregnant right now. I don't know how far you guys are along, probably somewhere around there too. But 32 weeks pregnant, and... They're, this is their second pregnancy. This is their, uh, they're going to have a son. They had a daughter at first. And with the first pregnancy, they had a lot of uh, trouble. She was, first of all, she was miserable. She was feeling sick. But then when it came time to have the baby, they had to actually do an emergency C-section because something was just not happening. So now that they have a second baby, like most doctors recommend, they're going to have another C-section. They, most doctors don't want to do it naturally after that happens because there's a risk. And... And I asked him, I'm like, why, why did you do that? You know, why, you know, because he's a Christian. I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I wasn't implying everything. I was just asking a question. I'm like, why, why didn't you just, you know, trust in God? Or maybe you did pray about this. Maybe you got an answer. And he told me, he says, he says you know, we, we thought about this. He's like, I felt peace in my heart. We, we talked to the doctor and, and they told us that there's a, there's a, you know, this percent of risk that something could go wrong if, if we don't do what they say. He's like, and... We prayed about it. We just felt natural. We felt that this is what we need to do, and, and we followed that. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. There's a certain percent of risk, and even though it wasn't a great percent, they, they look at it, and they're like, huh, it's probably worth it not to take this risk right now. You know, we can be wise about this. This isn't something that's, that's, a, that's a principal thing in the Bible. This is something where we can just use our wisdom, and we can be wise because it's not worth it to take that risk. And when I read this scripture, that's what comes to my mind. I'm like, I got to make sure that I don't take this risk. Even though it's, you know, I could play with fire, but most likely I'll get burned. You know, I can try to do something and I could try to kind of broaden my horizons. I can kind of try to push God's boundaries and lines in my life and see how far I can go before I get in trouble. But I feel like it's better not to take that risk. It's better to stay firm to, to, to the word of God. It's better just to be on the safe side. And he even says that we should do that later on. And talks about the earth. He talks about how, how the earth itself is blessed from God. The earth itself, you know, is, is taken care of. You know, Solomon said in his days, like, you know, you guys are worried about all these things. He's like, look at the flowers, you know, like God takes care of them. God will take care of you, you know, trust in him. You know, in, 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 uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, focus on the heavenly things, focus on the eternal. Everything in this world will, will 
will figure itself out. Everything else God will provide for you. He'll take care of you. He'll give you everything you need. Just focus on, on God's kingdom. And that's kind of my big thought today is, is just probably the same thing I say every time I'm up here because I don't know what else to say. It's just focus on God's kingdom and not, don't focus on this world. And, um, and then in that chunk of verses 9 through 12, he says, you know, God knows you. God knows all the work that you do. God knows all the ministries that you're in, all the, all the times that you've served people, that you've ser- served Him, that you minister, that you show, and that, that, that you show your passion for God. He says, he says that God sees all of that in you. And then he says, pretty much in, in the beginning, in verse 9, he says he's confident that there's even better things for them in store. He says there's something even bigger than, than what you guys can see. And later on, he says, I, I want each of you to, to have that diligence. He's like, I want each of you to, to realize that God has a purpose for you. He's like, I want you to realize that there's something more that God wants you to do than just you're, you're serving in, in, in your church right now, than what you're doing inside the in, inside your, your groups and, and, and your churches. He's saying there's something bigger that God wants you to do. And then he says this phrase in verse 12. He says, to, to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish. He says, God knows everything that you guys are doing now, but be diligent so that you don't become sluggish. And what is that word sluggish? What does that mean? That means that you know, the, and it's a very interesting word. I don't think I've seen this specific word in the Bible anywhere else. There's some that are similar to it. I don't know, maybe in Greek there's something that that word is used again. But the word sluggish, it means, you know, when you think of the word sluggish, you think of a slug right away. And a slug is very slow. It's not that it completely stops moving. It's not that he completely stops. It's just it's very slow. It's not agile. It's not, you know, ready to change paths. It's not ready to follow God's direction when, he, when, he, when God is snapping and saying, do this, do this. A slug just kind of lives through its life, just slowly wanders through. And Paul uses this word. He says, don't become sluggish. Don't become sluggish in, in what you guys are doing in your ministries. Don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And why I said I wanted to share a testimony is I just felt in my heart to, to share something that I went through in my life that I didn't want to share for a long time because I don't like uh, exposing myself. I don't like to, to do all that stuff. And Susha knows very well that I don't like to do that, but she forces me to sometimes. But... And it's something that was a real struggle. I would say even to this day, it's, it's a struggle for me. And that's, uh, that's being on the worship team, honestly. And that's just something that is, is a struggle for me a lot of times. And, and let me explain why. And as I'm explaining this about my life and my ministry, it's, I realize that a lot of these examples are things that happen to everybody in every single ministry. And these are struggles that we go through in, in everything, so... Don't think that this just applies to the singers and musicians. And I remember the, the, the first time that I, I heard a, just a very clear uh, instruction from God that that's my place to be is actually here in this, in this uh, sanctuary. I was an usher at the time. I was sitting back there on doors. 
And uh, I was just listening. Dennis's dad was actually preaching. And he preached a sermon about a man from the Bible whose name was uh, Obed Edom. And this was a while ago. This was five or six years ago, and I still remember. And this was a very interesting man in the Bible. You can read about him in uh, First Chronicles, it's in chapters 13, 15, 16. It's, it's, it's the story of this guy. His name was Obed Edom. And as, as we, when you go into chapter 13 and, and the story of pretty much he, he comes into the Bible is the situation is David wants to move the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He wants to move it and, and as they're moving it, there's uh, two men in the front that, that are carrying it and as they're moving it, one of the oxen stumbles and the Ark looks like it's going to fall. And, and what, what this uh, young man did, Uzzah, is he reached his hand out to, to catch the Ark so it doesn't fall. But as he did that, God looked down and he killed him right there on the spot for touching the Ark of the Covenant. Now that's a separate topic of, of why he died, so we're not going to get into that right now. But after that happened, it says that King David was very afraid. He says he was afraid of, 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 of God's anger. He was afraid of what just happened. And it almost seemed like they didn't know what to do at that time. So Bible doesn't give us any specifics. All it says is that they took the Ark of God to the house of Obed-Edom. And thinking about this, because I feel like when the Bible doesn't give us details, that's God's way of saying, you know, start thinking about it, start asking me, because, you know, obviously it, it's not just, oh, somebody here died, let's just take it to this guy's house. There's a whole process that happens in between. So... When it says, when I read that, it says that King David himself was afraid. King David, the one who, who didn't lose battles, the one who was leading all of Israel into wars, the one who was, who was in the front lines, the one who was, who was the, probably the bravest one, you know, from the very beginning when he decided to take on Goliath. He was, he was brave, and it says he was afraid right here in this moment, and, and, and they didn't know what to do. And I can assume when your leader, when your king is afraid, most likely all of those people under him were also afraid at that time. They're probably like, man, if David doesn't know what to do, then I for sure don't know what to do. I'm not the one who writes psalms for lambs in, 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 the, you know, in the hills and, and valleys and sing them to God. I, if he's afraid of God, then I'm afraid right now. But there was one man, Obed-Yadom, who for some reason he was willing to take the Ark of the Covenant into his house. So in... Even more than that, it gives him some kind of title. I don't remember exactly what, but he was somebody who, who, I believe he wasn't even a true Jew. He was like the, um, it's like, you know, in the Bible, like it says, uh, Jephthah, the whatever, or this guy. I'll probably just open it up and tell you exactly what it is instead of making something up. Obed, Edom, the Giddity. I don't know who the Gidedites were, but he's somebody who wasn't of, of, you know, the regular people that they usually talk to. He's somebody that came from the outside and made that decision to be a part of Israel. And, and he was somehow known by King David, and he was somehow known by all the leaders and all the Levites of Israel that they knew that they're like, hey, we can trust this guy if he says he's willing to do this. So they take the ark, they bring it to his house, and it says it was there for three months. And all those three months, the Lord blessed his house and all that he had. Now, to even go out in that direction for this Obed-Yadom guy, 
It's already a, a leap of faith in, 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 to a certain degree because he just, either he was there and he watched it or he heard the story of somebody that was touching it just to save this thing from falling and it killed him. And he's willing to bring that into his own house. And what that tells me is he must have had a relationship with God himself to know and, and, and to trust and, and to believe that this thing is, is a holy thing of God. And, you know, if, if they're willing to give this to me, I'll take it because I want more God in my life. You know, this shows that he himself, he wasn't just, well, King David's afraid, I'm going to be afraid too. He's like, wow, this is the ark of God. Sure, I want to be blessed for three months. So he took it. It was blessing in, in, in his house for three months. And then two chapters later, in chapter 15, this time David gets a revelation of, hey, I should listen to God's instructions before I do anything. And then they do everything the right way. They, they choose all the Levites. They make sure that the right people are carrying the ark to, to Jerusalem. They make sure everything is exactly the way God had commanded it to be. So the second time, they learn their lesson and they're doing it the right way. And, and as we read through chapter 15, we see his name pop up over and over and over again. In, um, it says in verse 17, The Levites of, uh, appointed Heman, the son of Joel, and his brethren. Asaph, the son of Berechia. Asaph, if you guys recognize, is somebody who wrote a lot of the Psalms. Probably all of the ones that David didn't write, this guy wrote. With, with a few stranglers by others. But he was there. So, he, so he, he's this big Levite. He's this big guy. And then it says, and then the brethren, and it starts naming people, and then it says, Obed and Edom. Oh, sorry, Obed Edom. The gate, and him and Jael, they were the gatekeepers. And I'm sitting in the back of the church as an usher on the doors. I'm a gatekeeper. And I'm like, okay, this is very random. And, and then later on it says, Obed Edom, he was, he was one of the... Uh, he was a singer and he was a musician. He was somebody that, that sang and he was somebody that, that played, I, I believe, on the, on the lyre or he played on the guitar, he played it on drums, he played it on something. He, he was a musician. It says, it says he was a musician. He was a gatekeeper, but then he was chosen as one of the few musicians to, to, to go there with, with, with the group as the, as, the, as the Levites were leading the people of Israel in worship. He was one of the ones there. And then in chapter 16, it it's pretty much says more names of, of the people who were Levites. And it says his name again. And he was one of the people that were leading. He wasn't just part of the group. He was one of the people that were leading the people of, of Israel in, in, in worship of God. And I remember I was sitting back there and I was just like, that's interesting. And then he probably doesn't remember this anymore. But Alixay actually came up to me after the service. And he said, that was about you. And he was kind of joking. He's like, that was about you. You, you, you were, I saw you were on doors today. He's like, that was about you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we just laughed it off. And, but I know on that day, it's even before he said that, when I was praying, as God kind of put that in my heart. That's like, hey, this is my ministry. Whether I want it or not, this is, this is what, what he's calling me for, to, to be a part of. And, and then we read in a chapter 26 that's way after it starts talking about this guy's descendants. He says, it says he has 62 descendants, and that's only counting the men. Eight of them were his children, and then the rest 
were grandchildren. And all 62. I'm not going to have 62. Whatever. But it says all 62. And what's interesting is they were all capable men. And every single one of them was in a ministry. Every single one of them was in the ministry. And I'm like, wow, this guy was amazing. This guy was, was somebody who wasn't afraid of God. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to take that leap of faith because he loved God and he knew Him. And he's like, I want to be closer to Him. I want to I keep moving. And another thought that came to me afterwards, I'm like, the ark was in his house. That means, you know, he was living at home. And when they decided to move the ark, he had a choice to make right there. He's like, I can stay home right now. I'm living home. I'm, this is where I live. I can stay home right now. But he made the decision. He's like, you know what? I'm going to leave my comfort. I'm going to leave my house and I'm going to go follow this ark because this is where God's going and, and, that, and that's where I want to be. And going back to the book of Hebrews, Paul said, don't be sluggish. Don't be sluggish. And how does that apply to this story in the Bible? The don't be sluggish. If he would have, you know, he could have made that decision that, hey, you know, I was blessed for, for three months by God. You know, I'm, I'm still serving. I'll you know, I'll be there every other Sunday. I'll be there sometimes. You know, I'll come. I'll, I'll help you guys out when you need help. But I'm, I'm comfortable living my life. I, I, you know, I just got a new job as a carpenter. I, you know, I'm starting my business. I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm getting educated to do this. And that's a decision he had right there where he could have been sluggish. And he could have had that title of, hey, I'm still a follower of God. I'm still a, you know, I'm still a Christian. I'm still, you know, doing all these things. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the ministry sometimes. I love God with everything. You know, he's, he's the most important thing to me. But, you know, if he didn't follow it, then he's kind of missing everything at that point. And, and that's what, you know, that's an example of being sluggish. And, and you know, this struggle I've had with being on the worship team, I've had so many points where God is telling me, he's like, you can quit right now. You know, even before a service, Vizek comes up to me. He's like, we have to be on stage. We can't wear shorts. It's hot in here. And, and I'm like, well, you know, we have that choice to make. We can wear shorts. You know, we, we can do that. We can do it. But then we can't be on stage. We can't, you know, almost we can't even do what God is calling us to do this week or, or whatever. Just because, we, you know, on, short, on, on stage we don't wear shorts because we just don't doesn't matter why, it doesn't matter how, we just don't. And it, it's the same thing. We ha- constantly have these decisions in our life. We're constantly placed in these moments in our lives where God is saying, you can quit right now, you have the choice. I'm not forcing you to do anything at all. I, I, I gave you my son, I gave you salvation, I gave you everything. I, I, I gave it to you. You have the choice whether to take it or not. You have the choice whether to follow me or not. I'm not going to force you to do either thing. And And... That's what I constantly go through, being on the worship team, because this is probably the, the ministry that I probably do more than anything else. That's why it's close to my heart. That's why I'm talking about it. And you can you know, fill in the blank with, with whatever you're in. And that's what I constantly go through. There's constantly a struggle. There's constantly something that says, quit, quit, quit. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's hard. It's too difficult. You can't do it. You're, something's not working out. And there's a constant struggle that says, just be sluggish. Just, just keep coming to church. Just keep, you know, doing something, but 
just slow down. Take it easy. Don't, don't keep following God fully. Don't, you know, settle down. You have a family now. You have a kid now. You know, settle down. Do all these things. And there's this constant voice always. Every single morning it seems like you wake up and this voice is already drilling you. And I might be the only one like this. But there's this voice that's constantly drilling and it says quit. And it says give up. And then you have another voice inside of you that says keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You might not see it now, but what you're doing is going to affect a lot of people. And not just inside the church. It's, you're, you're forming a character. And that, and that character is going, to, is going to lead you into places outside of this church. Don't, don't worry that you're just you know, on a worship team. Don't worry that you're just an usher and you're just serving inside the church. And you're like, well, God, I want to save souls. I want to go preach. Build your character. Form your character. Keep Stay faithful. Do what you do. Just keep going. And then in time, you'll see how God will begin to use you outside of these doors, even though you're just a guitar player, even though you're just a usher who, who sits on doors or who cleans up the parking lot before service. Just stay faithful to, to what you do. And, and this struggle, I would say even, it, uh, it's, it began even before I got saved, believe it or not. This is a story I don't like talking about, but... And for a long time, I didn't want to bring it up because I, I knew that my heart wouldn't be able to, to mention this because I would get prideful. I'll be honest with you. And that's why I didn't say anything about it for a long time. And just right now, I feel like God wanted me to share this. And in junior high, when I was, uh, I was here in America already, when I was in choir, we had these, I don't remember what they were called, but um, in seventh grade, I was a tenor. In 8th grade, I was a baritone, and then in ninth grade, I was a bass. So I pretty much went through the whole range as my voice was cracking and then, you know, settled in ninth grade. But, so I was in choir those three years of junior high, and, and uh, we had these things where it happened every, every month, I believe. And, and in, towards the end of 8th grade and in ninth grade, I would stay home. I wouldn't go to school. I would fake being sick. I would do something to, to avoid this because I didn't want to do this anymore. But we had this thing where every single month, the teacher would ran, randomly uh, choose one soprano, one alto, one bass, and one tenor. And the whole class would have to do this. And who you're paired up with would just be random. And you would just have to sing the part that we all learned from a song because there's four parts pretty much in every song that, that, that we sing. And it's just you have to stand up and you just have to sing your part. And I remember... I always sang very quietly because I was not confident and I was not, I would say I was not even capable, but I sang and I remember one day the, I didn't even remember this, my mom actually reminded me of this a couple of months ago, but one of these days the teacher actually talked to me and she says, you can't sing, you're not capable of singing, you never will be, you should probably stop singing. And that hurt. Your teacher don't. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, that's what she told me. And, and, and after she said that to me, every time we would have these things once a month, I would just stay home. I wouldn't go to school. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. And I don't want to do anything else except choir because everything else requires a lot of work. So I want to stay in choir, but I don't want to do these things. And so I would just stay home. I wouldn't go to school. And honestly, this is something that really scarred me. It's, it's something that really scarred me for life because it's something that I always enjoyed doing. It's something that I always f- thought and felt that came naturally to me. But 
this teacher said otherwise. So, and this, and pretty much growing up my whole life, pretty after that I stopped singing in general. I stopped singing in, in you know in the shower. I stopped singing in the car. I just stopped singing in general. I, I just I didn't want to sing anymore. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And and I remember when I when I came to church and then. Uh, when God spoke this to me, it was such a difficult uh, barrier to break through in my life. It, uh, because I would, uh, I would listen to myself sing, and I would actually, physically, I would hear that I'm off. I would hear that I'm not doing well, that I'm not singing right. And, and I remember one time at kids' church, uh, Ksusha made me sing... Uh, here I am to worship, and I, and I sang it, and I'm like, I'm like, I just signed up to play guitar. I didn't sign up to sing. And and I sang this song, and and it was recorded, and I'm like, Mom, they made me sing in church. <laughs> and this was after I was saved. This was like I said about five years ago. And and I remember at the recording, I she's like, you know, can I can I listen to it? I want to listen to it. And and she listened to it, and she's like, Wow, Nyoma, this is. Not bad. She's like, your teacher said you can't sing, but this really isn't that bad. And I was standing right next to her. I was listening to the same thing, and it was horrible in my, in my ears. It really was. It was terrible. I can hear every single time I didn't take a breath right. I can hear every single time the note wasn't sharp or, 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 or it wasn't solid. I can hear every time my voice trembled. And I'm like, this is... And, but, and, and on top of that, I had all this... All these emotions and all this stuff that, that entered when the teacher scarred me. On, on top of that, I'm listening to this. I'm like, I can't sing. And, and when she said that, she's like, you can, you can sing. You know that, right? And it's like from that moment, it's that, that barrier just, just began to break. It just uh, began to, 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 to break in my life. And then I started uh, you know, being forced to do it more often. At church, and I'm purposefully wording it like that because that's what it was. And you know, I was forced to do it more often. And and at one moment, it's like this discouragement came again, and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, you know, when somebody tells me, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was good. You know, I didn't even believe anybody anymore. I didn't even believe my own mother anymore because I'm like, you're just telling me that because you're my mom. You know, you're just telling me that to make me feel good. You're just telling me that because, you know, whatever reason. And there was this constant struggle with. This thing that I was I was going through, and and I was at at a point where I'm like, if I'm gonna be forced to keep doing this. I don't want to play guitar anymore. I just I don't want to be on stage. I don't want to do it. And it was one of the times we went to uh, Louisiana, and and uh, I was just like, well, after this trip, I'm just gonna you know focus on on youth ministry. This is a youth leaders conference. I'm just gonna forget all the you know worship team stuff and and just focus on youth ministry. And, and um, while we were there, one of the prayers that everybody lined up around the room. I don't know if you guys remember that when you were there. Everybody was lined up around the room, and then they had the, uh, they had, uh, Joel Stockstill was praying for people. Jonathan was, and then there were other people. And then there was this, I don't know if you guys remember the short guy from, from Fire, yeah, from Florida. He, he wanted to come to our church. I don't know if you remember. And we're kind of like, well, well, something, anybody. And I'm like, and they're like praying, and I can see he's going to pray for me. I'm like, I don't want this guy to pray for me. I like the other people. 
You know, and it, just this thought, honestly, and it's almost like at that point, God's like, no, I'm going to purposefully make this guy pray for you. To, to, to break your pride, he's, he's going to be the one that's going to pray for you. He, you know, somebody else would have... And what's funny, what is funny, is before this, Jonathan Soxel's praying for people, skips me, and then keeps going. And I'm like, this is the, this is the worship leader. This is the, I'm about to quit. This is, okay, God, I get it. You want me to quit. And then, no, this guy, this guy starts praying for me and he's just praying for me praying for me he's like he's like i see a he's like i see a spirit of of a worshiper inside of you and i'm like oh great <laughs> not this again and and he says that he's like i see a a spirit of david on you he's like you're going to sing you're going to praise god on stage you're going to and that's the first and only time in my life i just started cracking up during prayer just couldn't control it and i'm just laughing and i'm like god why are you doing this to me and and there were these moments in my life where, where you have that choice, just be sluggish, just quit. And then, and then God would kind of offer you a hand and you would say, keep going. And at that moment, you're standing there and you can keep going or you can quit. And we've seen a lot of people quit. We've seen a lot of people quit. We, you know, in, in these six or seven years that, that you know, we've, I've been in the, in the youth and I've seen a lot of people leave. I've seen a lot of people that somewhere they're like, I don't want to keep fighting. I don't want to keep going. And some still come to, to church. Some moved on to another church. Some completely stopped going to church. And, but you can see the same thing in all of them. You can see that they just stay. It's almost like they lost their salvation. Even if they started going to a different church, they just come on Sunday and then they leave. They don't take part. They don't serve God. They just check mark, check mark, check mark. I came to church. Check mark. I came to church. And and it's sad, and, and it's like that decision, I feel like, is going to be there every day of our lives. Every morning, it's, you know, do you want to give up today, or do you want to keep going? Do you want a difficult situation comes up, do you want to give up today, or do you want to keep going? If you decide to keep going, you know, I'll make your burden light. You know, I'll help you, I'll be with you, I'll carry the cross. Just carry your own cross, carry what I give you to, you know, what I, what I give you to carry, and, and follow me. And that voice, it's always there. And even to this day, there's, there's struggles where, where that voice is there. Where for me, if I'm on the worship team, Vizik does something or Allah does something or vice, and it irritates me. It irritates me. It makes me mad. It's like, this is not how I would do it. I would do it like this. I like doing this. That's part of life. That's part of the process. That's part of ministry. That's where our characters break. That's where God begins to challenge us. It's in those moments. Sometimes I feel like God purposefully does that. Sometimes I feel like God purposefully does that so that, you know, whoever's leading that week would do the, the one specific thing that bothers me. And nobody else pays attention, but it bothers me. And I feel like God purposefully does it and says, you know, are you going to quit? Are you going to quit or are you going to keep fighting? Are you going to humble yourself? Are you going to learn how to love people? Are you going to learn how to be patient or are you just going to stay prideful and, and, and arrogant and, and keep going down your path? And, and it's constantly there in everything, in, in, in youth ministry with Zima, in, in, in church with pastors. Sometimes you're like, I would do it like this. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we have this? Why don't we do that? And it's as if God's letting these things happen on purpose. It's almost as if God is purposefully not letting pastor be perfect, even though he probably could if he wanted to. But it's almost like God is purposefully making him not be perfect so that somebody somewhere is going to get ticked so that we can have our characters changed, so that we can become more firm, 
so that we can become stronger, so that we can become warriors, so that we can do what we do in not noticing who's around us, but doing it for God. And these struggles, they, they come even to this day. Sometimes I don't want to come to practice. I don't want to do this. I don't want to... Don't, I just don't want to come. I'm like, what happens if I just don't show up today? What happens if I don't show up for practice? Okay, I'll get a phone call. I'll ignore it. You know, I'll live. I'll survive. What, you know, what, what's the big deal? I just, I just, I'll stop coming. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stop being responsible. I'll stop, you know, being there when I said I'll be there. I'll stop being faithful. I'll stop, you know, what'll happen? You lose everything. That's what'll happen. You lose everything. You lose the, the purpose and, and everything that God is, is calling you to be and everything that, 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 that you've built up in your life so far. You're losing it. And um, we're going to have prayer. And um, gonna have, after, after we pray, we're going to have a harvest prayer like we always have. And we're going to pray for camp. But before that, uh, Ksusha, I don't know if you're in here. Uh, she shared something with me about when she was in school. And she said, I, I should talk to Zima. I want to share a testimony at, at church. And then yesterday I told her, I'm like, no, you can share it tomorrow at youth. Since I'm going to have the microphone and I can make you do stuff. So I, I'm going to have her share a testimony of uh, what she went through when, when she went to, to college and when she went to school and kind of that, that struggle in her life. It's a little bit more complicated now because of a baby that runs off everywhere. Hi, guys. Yeah, husband shocked me yesterday. <laughs> Made me all nervous. <laughs> so I typed up some notes so I don't go off topic because he gave me a time limit. <laughs> so hold on. I'm going to put on... Where's the timer on your phone? <laughs> Do you guys know where it is? Okay, thanks. Does anybody actually ever use the timer? You do? For what? <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'm going to quickly share my testimony. So um, someone recently came up to me, very caught me off guard because something else was going on here and this person anyways it doesn't matter and they like they come up to me like hey in college did you get a bachelor's degree or master's and they just like caught me so off guard I, like I was doing stuff with Becky so I didn't didn't have a I don't know I just answered I'm like oh I got both and they're like wow that's awesome and they left and I stood there with this feeling of like no this person did not like understand I, they I didn't want them to get the one impression, I don't know what you guys get the impression, so I'm going to share. Um, um, something I wrote was, I don't want to be the reason someone decides to really pursue a higher education. Just because, you know, oh, Ksusha did it, that means I can go spend lots of time in school. So I went to share. Um, I went to college after high school. Um, um, I had a scholarship, so I don't know. When I went to just college, I, I knew it was from God. And, um, but after three years, I was done. And, um, I f and towards the end of my three years, I felt very unfruitful. 
I remember Andre had a school club um, big thing here. Not bit very big because there's not never a lot of people, but it was different people came from different churches and people, they were sharing. And I was like, wow, these kids, high school kids, they're doing so much for God in their schools. And here I am with like done pretty much my education. And I like, what did I do for God? Like, what did I do? And so at that point, I was deciding whether I should go for one more year because in my three years, I didn't have to pay. But if I go for one more year, I would have to pay. So I wasn't sure, and I was praying about it. But after this, thing, I was so inspired. I'm like, I have to do something for God. So I decided to go for one more year. And um, let's see, who am I? And uh, that last year of college, it was the hardest year of my life still. Uh, even harder than being a mom. It was very intense. Um, there was a lot of uh, liberally minded people, very, very liberal people. There was a lot of work. I had, I had full-time college for a whole year, so summer t- as well. Um, lots of work. Uh, had, you know, got myself college loans. How exciting. Um, no free time. Less hanging out with friends. Um, lots of time by myself. Not even f- hanging out with my family. Who, like, from, I disappeared from them that year. I said no. <laughs> and uh, when I actually did the student teaching, um, the classroom that I was in, the teacher said that that group of kids was the hardest group that she has taught in her 19 years of teaching. I was like, that's great. <laughs> and, uh, um, but at the same time, I, um, I grew a lot closer to God, and I, uh, like, I did all those things that I didn't do that I was so, I was so embarrassed about that these people were doing stuff in, in college, and I, like, I would testify to people, like, on a, like, a personal level, but I wouldn't, I didn't feel like I did anything, like, big, and so I decided to do lots of big things, and I didn't, I feel like I didn't, still didn't do anything big, but I went for it, and um, I, I don't want to, I mean, if you can come and ask me what I did, I don't have time to explain, but, um, just different things, and just, I just knew God was satisfied, even though I was paying price for it. Now, I'm not, I don't want to share the story to be, like, prideful because, honestly, I was very ashamed that in high school and in college I did, I did, like, nothing for God. Like, besides just talking to maybe two, three people about him, like, I just didn't do much. And so I paid a big price for the last year just to feel like I, not maybe feel like, but just to satisfy God's heart with my school, with my college. And... Um, Obviously, I mean, I got an education out of it, which I'm not using right now, also, and paying for it, not using it yet. So, um, it was actually interesting, at the end of uh, that year, I was offered a really good job, so that job would allow me to pay off my loans in, like, no time, and then the Holy Spirit told me not to take that job, so, um, uh, just this thought that I want to share, is, and I'm going to just read it. Maybe if I had been doing my everything to serve God during my high school and college years, I wouldn't have to go for one more year, and I wouldn't have to deal with college lo- no, loans. Only God knows. Only God knows what His perfect will is for every person. But I guess I want to share this to inspire you not to be driven by culture or parents or peers when choosing your future. Because this culture is so college-driven. I mean, I've been in kindergarten classrooms that are telling kids that their number one goal in life is to go to college. And what do we see in colleges? I mean, we know people right now who are not here because they're pursuing a career in college. They're drinking, they're, you know, 
they're not serving God. And so who, I want to say, like, who are you following? Are you following culture, your dreams, your parents' dreams, possibly, your peers' dreams, or are you following God? Think about the people in our lives whose focus became their career and college plans. I don't see a lot of them here. And even if they still come to church, I don't see them with the fire of the Holy Spirit in their eyes. When it comes to spending so much time on something that could potentially destroy your spiritual life, you should definitely ask God before pursuing it. But be ready to hear either answer and make sure to do what he's telling you. He may say, go for it, you know, go for education, or he may say, no. And I was listening to the song yesterday that was just so perfect, and I want to share the lyrics. It's, these are the lyrics from the song. <clears throat> I don't need the riches of this world. I can't even take them where I am going. I don't need to see tomorrow's plans. I just need to trust you that you are working. I don't even need to understand. I just need to keep you as the first thing. If I have you and nothing else, I have everything. So just want to glorify God uh, with my testimony. You guys can talk to me if you want any juicy details. <laughs> and just, I don't know, just want to say, you know, don't look at me as an example of, wow, she got bachelor's, master's degree. That means we all need to go to college and spend forever with crazy people who will not listen to you, okay? So um, ask about God before you go, okay? Don't, don't just go to college and sign yourself up for something you don't, you don't know what you're doing. So if he wants you to go, you'll be okay, but stay in church. I, I mean, I don't want to be prideful, but, like, I just did it as, like, hanging on dear life. I am, like, I'm going to stay in every ministry, which sometimes it drove me crazy, and it was very difficult I did it because I knew, and I did not live on campus. I refused because I knew that I did not want to get swept away with this culture. Because, guys, people get swept away. I mean, you know who's not here who has been swept away by pursuing career. So that's what I wanted to share. And I got into my time. My phone didn't even bark. (laughs) Thank you. So I wanted her to share that because a lot of you guys go to college or are going off to college and it's uh I can't say that because I never went to college but she can but um there's a lot of places where we'll need to make decisions it's like it could be situations like that where it has to do with our livelihood where it has to do with our education or our jobs and there's uh situations in ministry where you're going to be challenged there's situations in your in your family in your marriage you're constantly going to be challenged. When you have kids, you're going to constantly be challenged. And your whole life is going to be a challenge. And if, you don't, if you're not ready for that, you're going to fall somewhere. And you have to prepare for that. You have to be ready for it. And, and when you say, God, I'm going to follow you till, till the end, till everything, think about what you're saying. Think about what that means. Think about you know, the words that are, that are on screen that you're singing, where you know, I'll go forever, you know, forever, or whatever we sing. Think about it. Don't just, don't just sing it. it because the Bible says if you don't mean it, then you're going to be one of those that God spits out of his mouth. If you say you will and then you back out or you become sluggish, you become gray, that's what you'll become. And it's uh, that's something that I want for any of you guys. You know, we want to see all of you strive. Just like Paul said to, to the Hebrews, I know God has something big planned for all of you, youngins and, and whoever is older than me. 
God has something big planned for all of us, for our youth, for our church, and, and we need to keep going. We need to keep fighting. We need to keep taking that, that narrow path. And, and I just want us all to just uh, stand up right now, and we're just going to pray, and then after that we'll just pray for camp. But we'll, we'll get to that. Just uh, God, we just... Uh,